Well, good morning, everyone. Stay standing for a second. Why don't we pray and then we'll get underway. Is that all right? Well, Father God, I just thank you that we get to gather in your presence here today in the absence of persecution, where so many people around the world are traumatized as a result of torture, as a result of prejudice. God, I just thank you so much that we get to freely come, that we get to sit at your feet today and just learn from you. So God, I pray that you would have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Go ahead, grab a seat, everyone. Thank you so much for making myself and my family feel so welcome. Uh, i got to say, this is actually my first time here in Kiwana, even though we've kind of in one way or another been on the Sunshine Coast for the last 15 years. Um, it's cool to be, uh, be with you, and I, I hope that uh, today uh, will be a blessing to you. Thank you so much, worship team. You guys have been awesome as well. Appreciate you guys. Uh, they're pretty extraordinary, right? Which kind of is the theme of today. I would like to talk about living an extraordinary life, which is why I've worn my extraordinary pants today, just to be in, in costume for, for today's service. I've heard it said that the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is just a little extra. But my question is, a little extra what? Because if all we're doing is adding extraordinary to our existing ordinary, then all we're going to get is more ordinary. It's kind of like supernatural. It doesn't matter how much more natural you add to your existing natural, all you're going to end up with is is more natural. We need to take something which is heavenly and infuse it with something which is earthly to create that which is supernatural or that which is extraordinary. Now, I don't know if you know any extraordinary people. In fact, hands up if you know somebody who's truly extraordinary. We've got, we got a few, we've got about maybe half of it. The rest of you, we're going to learn about somebody else today who's a little bit extraordinary. But extraordinary people, they have a couple of things in common. I don't know if you've noticed, but extraordinary people, they don't just do things that are out of the ordinary. They do things with strategic focus, with merit and purpose, which is greater than themselves. What's more is they always seem to have this intense, or I would even go so far as to say insane level of discipline. Uh, They are the ones who intentionally set their alarm at 4 a.m., not accidentally, but intentionally to get up and get out there in the golf course or the training field or whatever it is to practice. They have that discipline to do what needs to be done in order to get extraordinary results. But lastly, is that extraordinary people, they tend to also have a coach, a captain, a teacher, a mentor. They submit themselves to somebody else's authority. And that authority, they're designed to stretch us, to prepare us, if you will, for the big stage of life where we are to have an impact or to have influence on our family, on our business on our community, or society at large. But before we get too excited, if you're going to stand on the big stage of life, hey, that could be nerve-wracking. So in order to develop the courage that's going to be required to live an extraordinary life, well, we're going to need to just take a minute, as in literally 
A minute. Because did you know that 60 seconds is typically all that it takes in order to transition out of the ordinary and enter into the extraordinary? And so if you will allow me to be the coach's assistant today, we're going to take this 60 seconds, this transformational fear-facing minute, and just break it down into three bite-sized chunks of 20 seconds each. Because 20 seconds is is all that it takes in order to activate flow in your life. Now, for the weekend mowers among us here today, you know the dilemma that we face when the ride-on runs out of petrol. And you've got this massive tank full of petrol sitting on the bench, but you, you can't lift that thing and pour it in like a small little jerry can. So you've got to figure out, scratch your head, how am I going to get the petrol from this bold, big old hunkin' tank into the tank over here? And so you need a hose. A hose and 20 seconds. If you put the hose into the tank and the other end, before you put it into the petrol tank, you give it 20 seconds of effort to suck on the end of the hose. And then hopefully before the petrol reaches your mouth, you, ha you put it into the petrol. Now we've created a siphoning effect. Everyone following me? What do you do need to do? What do you need to do next? Nothing. Just let it go because 20 seconds was all that it took in order to activate flow in your life. Uh, maybe for some of you, you're like, well, I don't mow. I don't relate to that. But maybe you eat. Uh, maybe your grandmother is visiting from Eastern Europe or something, I don't know, and she says, I bake this cake, try my cake. And you're like, oh, um, sorry, babushka, but I'm not, I'm not feeling very hungry right now. To which she says, you will try it. And you're like, okay, I, I will. I'll just, I'll just have a bite to be polite. You know what I'm talking about? And all it takes is just 20 seconds of chewing that cake. All of a sudden, your appetite wakes up and you eat the entire cake. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Or maybe for you, it's sleep. It's like somebody says to you, hey, you've got a big night on tonight. So why don't you like have a lie down before this evening so that you feel fresh? And you think to yourself, but I don't feel tired. But all that it takes is just 20 seconds of being horizontal. And all of a sudden, you discover in that moment how tired you really were. Or last one, exercise. Everyone's favorite. You set your alarm intentionally. You wanted to be this extraordinary person, this disciplined person who got up at 4 a.m., maybe 5. And we went out running, but you know, every cell in your body is screaming at you, don't do it. But all that it takes is just 20 seconds out in the fresh air with your spandex and your running shoes on. And you are so glad that you got out of bed this morning because it awakens something. You feel good after 20 seconds, but 20 seconds, that first 20 seconds, you've got to push through because every cell is screaming at you not to. So we're going to take three fears today, and we're going to unpack each of them as to how we can face them for just 20 seconds, that we can take action, do something in order to overcome our fears. And if we did that just three times a day, forming one minute, that one minute can quite literally transform our lives. So are you ready to go? Fear number one, be willing to make a fool of yourself. 
I like what it says in 1 Corinthians. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He kind of says, look, hey, in doing what's never been done before, because Christianity hasn't existed before now, and we're out here on the front line sharing the gospel, sharing the good news. Look, in doing what's never been done before, we've become a spectacle for the whole world. But then caps it off by saying, but we're willing to be fools for Christ. In other words, we're willing to look like idiots because we believe in what we're doing. If it, it doesn't matter what situation or circumstance we might find ourselves in, does embarrassment get away, get in the way of your breakthrough? It's a question that each of us needs to pose, especially when the coach says, okay, all right, this is what I want you to do. I want you to hit the high note. And we're like, the the high note? Like, I don't know if I can get that high. And like, if I do, like, like, you know, people might be putting their hands over their ears. I might break glass. And the coach says, exactly. That's exactly what you to do. What I want you to do. I want you to break through the glass ceiling because as, as the saying goes, If you want to go where you've never been before, you have to do what you've never done before, even if it might be embarrassing. If you haven't seen the movie We Bought a Zoo, this is the story of a man, Matt Damon, obviously playing the role, whose wife has passed away. Uh, the children who have lost their mum and the family's trying to come to terms with, well, how, how do we pick up the pieces of our life and, and move forward? And, and part of that is the father encouraging the children, look, 20 seconds of embarrassing bravery, of insane courage is all that it takes. And I promise you something good will Will come of it. A good friend of mine, Pastor Keith from uh, Frisco in Texas, uh, he, when he was growing up, his dad was a police officer. And one day while driving in the police car with his dad, he happened to be looking out the window and saw this really good looking girl. And he comments to his dad, dad, like, check her out. She's like, smoking hot. To which the dad responds by slamming on the brakes. Putting the siren on and turns to his son and says, get out. And the son says, dad, what, what do you mean? Get out, get out. Because if you don't swing, you'll never hit. Get out, go ask her for her number. He's like, but dad, like, no, I was just saying that she was cute. And he's like, no, if you're gonna, if you're gonna say it, then back it up. He gets out of the car. He goes up to the girl. He says, oh, excuse me, uh, like, you're not in trouble or anything. My dad's just like the police you know, guy. And, like, and I just happened to mention that you were cute. And I just wanted to come up and introduce myself. Because he had 20 seconds of embarrassing bravery, they are still friends to this day more than 30 years later. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, a lady here on the Sunshine Coast was telling me a story how when she was young, she went to the petrol station, filled up her car with petrol, and gave the petrol attendant $10 as a tip. Now, back in the day, we're talking like 40, 50 years ago, 10 bucks was a lot of money. And so the guy's like, you've given me too much money. And she says, oh, no, no, you're going to need that. He's like, for what? For when you take me out to the movies tonight. And as a result, 40 years later, they're still married. I mean, I'm telling you, 20 seconds of courage. 
There's payoff. Last night, my wife and I, we went to a birthday party. A, a couple were both turning 50 at the same time. And they got up and gave speech to the whole crowd of people that had came for their birthday. And, and while they were cutting the cake, the favorite part of the evening took place for me. A young 16-year-old boy got up, grabbed the microphone, and said to his mum and dad, I want to say... I want to thank you, I honor you for raising me, for being the people who you are, and for introducing me to Jesus. Who knows that as a 16-year-old, it's, it's not the average everyday thing to do. Firstly, grab a microphone and speak in front of hundreds of people. And then secondly, to start talking about Jesus in front of your peers, 20 seconds of courage in order to honor allows you to have breakthrough. Fear number two. Become enthusiastic about generosity. Now, whenever we read this kind of thought, you know, become enthusiastic, that's not a fear, but oh, yes, it is. Whenever I go to America, I like to turn on their religious TV. It's, I'm not sure if I'm spiritually inspired or more entertained or horrified. It's kind of all three. And so uh, every now and again, like the, the religious preacher will come on who kind of uh, comes across as a little bit like a slippery snake oil salesman. And uh, he, he's like, I, I do believe the Lord is telling me if you get $500, $500, touch a screen, the Lord's going to rain down a blessing. I'm like, <laughs> Like, I want to throw up all night long. But just to be clear, that level of disgust or horror is very different to the cynicism that you and I might experience the moment giving is mentioned in church. The moment we say, we're going to come around the time of our offering, and if something comes over us, it's like, oh, like, here we go again, talking about money. The church is always about my money. It's my money, by the way. That's why they call it my money. So get your filthy hands off my money. And so we have this Attitude, if you will. Well, cynicism is a puffed up attitude that tries to overcompensate for our own shortcomings. So the problem is, we thought we were generous. We read these scriptures that say the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and we're like, yeah, <laughs> that's me. And then it goes on to say, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller, and we say, <laughs> I totally know who that person is, having no idea that maybe, just maybe, it's us. In fact, check out the Apostle Paul's final words to the leaders in the church of Ephesus. This is recorded in Acts chapter 20. Now, if somebody says to you, these are my final words, if they're about to part from you and never see you again, or if they're on their deathbed and then they're not going to be around tomorrow, and they say, these are my final words, whatever they say next, you want to listen to. So let's check out the Apostle Paul's final words to the leaders of the church of Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 31. It says, be on guard. Hey, remember that for three years, I haven't stopped warning each of you day and night with tears. And now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all of those who are sanctified. Hey, just so we're clear, I haven't coveted anyone's silver, gold, or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companion. In fact, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. 
In other words, the Apostle Paul is warning the people, be on guard. Watch out for things like stinginess, for greed, for envy. But in his commentary on this passage, Tim Keller from New York, he makes some interesting comments. He says, it's fascinating to note that the Apostle Paul says, watch out for these types of sins, but doesn't mention other types of sins, perhaps even more obvious types of sins. For example, he doesn't say, be on guard against adultery. Because if you, let's just face it, if you've jumped into bed with somebody, it's not like it was an accident. It's like you tripped over and fell into bed and said, oh, hello, you're not my wife. No, you know. You know that you know that you know. But when it comes to greed and envy and stinginess and selfishness, we're typically not even aware. And maybe, just maybe, we've got some blind spots. Okay, we're going to stop it right there for a second. And I just want to say for the record, uh, my intention is not for a moment to make fun of Rachel Chu, but rather to highlight we are Rachel Chu. Uh, When it comes to this thing called generosity, we think we're good. In fact, people around us might even encourage us and say, oh, you're so loving, you're so kind, you're so generous. Yeah, right, or whatever. They're not even honest with her. When they asked her family, hey, how is your mum? Oh, very powerful. I'm like, not even her family were honest with her. I just want to say that if I come up to the stage, but my fly is undone, or I got toilet paper hanging out, I got sun stuck in my... I want somebody to tell me before I make it on the big stage of life. You see, when I'm not aware, we call it unconscious incompetence. I'm not even aware of how incompetent I really am. But when somebody points it out to me, just like Simon Cowell is, we in that moment transition into conscious incompetence, where I become aware, okay, so maybe, just maybe, I'm not as good as I thought that I was, but What we do next will define our future. You see, we can either puff ourselves up with this overcompensating pride, this cynicism, and say, well, you try and come up here and sing. You try and with this crowd. I'll judge you. And we can start to point the finger, make excuses, not take responsibility, blame others, judge, whatever it might be. Or we can respond with humility. Let's go ahead and take a look and see how Rachel Chu responds. (laughs) God bless Rachel Chu. I I thank God that she responds with humility and says, nah, I need a bit more practice, isn't it? Like the the fact that she owns it. Well, because she has humility, now she gets to submit herself to a singing coach who can groom her, who, who can guide her, who can teach her. And if she does submit to the authority like an extraordinary person does, well, she starts to improve and ultimately will transition out of conscious incompetence and move into conscious competence, where I'm becoming aware, actually, I'm improving. I'm I'm not bad. Like, maybe I could stand on the big stage of life. But through practice, ultimately, we enter into the final stage, which is called unconscious competence, where ultimately, we're not even aware of how good we've really become. It's kind of like driving. Uh, If you remember 
yourself when you first started driving or maybe you've got a teenager right now who starts we know how to drive like it's easy i've been on the dodgem cars like this is how hard can it be until we hop in the car and we realize oh man as we're mounting the curb and people are beeping and flashing their lights it's like, okay so maybe just maybe i'm not as good as i thought i was but when we submit ourselves to the driving instructor we start to improve and now when you came to church this morning you you didn't even think about it. You're driving along. You're not even aware of how good you really are. You don't even have to think about it anymore. And that should be our natural default response when it comes to generosity. So that it's not an awkwardness as a should I or shouldn't I give? No, I want to give. Like, where's the opportunity? Because giving and generosity, well, that's God's love language. For God so loved the world that he gave. And when we are generous, we get to participate with him in his culture. But here's the deal. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can let the bucket pass on by, get a few coins in my pocket and put it in. And if it doesn't hurt you, then there's no gain to be had. It's kind of like going to the gym. You can get on the treadmill and, oh, but before I do, I, you know, selfie. I went 10 miles today. Nine of them were to drive to the gym and only one on the treadmill, but I didn't even have to work up a sweat. Here's the deal. You don't have to do anything. It's not an obligation. No, you get to. It's kind of like you don't have to look buff. You don't have to look trim. You don't have to be healthy. But if you want to, then there's going to be a little price to pay. I love what Arnold Schwarzenegger said when he was training for Mr. Olympia or Mr. Universe or whatever it was. He said, I only start counting when it starts to hurt. In other words, I'm going to commit to this, even if it's a degree of pain, because I know the gain on the other end. I want it to be my natural default position, just like health. And fear number three is let go of what you know and trust him. Luke chapter 12, verse 48 says, well, to whom much has been given, much is going to be expected. In fact, there is this story that is outlaid in three of the gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which tells about a rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what must I do in order to enter into your extraordinary kingdom? And Jesus responds by saying, well, here's a couple of life rules you can live by and gives him a couple of the commands from the Old Testament, from the Ten Commandments. And the rich young ruler says, like, this is my lucky day because I have been keeping these rules or these laws since I was knee high to a grasshopper, since I was a kid. So I'm in good standing. And Jesus says, well, I guess there's only one more thing for you to do then. Go ahead, sell all of your possessions, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And the rich young ruler goes, oh, and walks away with great sorrow. Why? Because he had a great many possessions. The point of the story is not about selling all of your stuff. It's about what's holding on to you versus what are you holding on to. When it comes to this concept of letting go of what we know, sometimes it's very tough 
for us because of this thing called logic and rational thinking. We are our own best lawyer. We are the ones who talked ourselves out of exercising this morning when the alarm went off. There was, just for the record, no one else talked you out of exercising. You yourself are the one who pressed the snooze button and you justified it in your mind because you are a great solicitor. You're a great lawyer. You argue well. For example, if you were walking along the street and and you saw a beggar and God prompts you or taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, break out a 20 and give it to them. And you're like, sorry, did I like a red one? Like a 20, like 20 cents. No, a $20 note. Like a note, like... Just time out for a second here, because, you know, this beggar here, I bet they make more money sitting on the street, you know, earning all, than than if they were to go out and get a job, like like the rest of us who have to work for our money. Or maybe, hey, I bet this guy is an alcoholic or a drug addict. They're just going to take my 20 bucks and go down to the bottle o and get drunk. That would be me reinforcing their addiction. We don't want that. Or maybe they're part of a begging syndicate. Like somebody has put them there. They're watching around the corner. As soon as I give them the money, they're going to come and take it off so they won't even be the end beneficiary. It's better that I do not give. (laughs) And the point is, you might be right on all three accounts. But here's the deal. If God tells you to, you've got 20 seconds to decide which voice are you going to listen to. When you're at the airport, there are many voices calling out various different flights. Ladies and gentlemen, we're about to be boarding Qantas Flight 316 to Kansas. But if Kansas is not your destination, don't listen to that voice. What is the voice that you choose to listen to? It will ultimately help you get to where it is that God intends for you to go. I wonder what life would be like if Jesus took that same approach that we do when it comes to the beggar. Imagine if God brought Jesus aside one day and said, hey, Jesus, let me let you in on my master plan. This is going to be awesome. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to send you to earth and I'd like you to live an impeccable life and teach the people for three years how they too should live. And then when it's all said and done, I'd like you to climb up on the cross of Calvary and like die for all of the sins of humanity. Can you imagine if Jesus said, whoa, 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 time out. That is not cool, God. Like, because here's the deal. If I go to earth and I die for everyone's sins, you know what they'll do right after? Keep on sinning. I bet, I bet you, like 20 bucks on the table, God, they're going to just keep on sinning. And what's more is they won't even appreciate it. Like, I'll extend my invitation to be in relationship with humanity and they'll reject me. So this is a uncool plan. I don't know about you, but I thank God that Jesus didn't respond in that same way. We don't rely on our own understanding, but rather we lean on God's instruction such that even in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, God, if there is any other way, please let this cup pass from me, but not my will be done Your will be done. It takes 20 seconds of insane courage to lean not on your own understanding, but rather follow God's instruction. I've heard countless stories over the years as people have done this, testimonies. I love the story of the guy boarding the train 
And as he is, he sees this really good-looking girl sitting on the side of the carriage looking out the window, and the seat next to her is vacant. And he's thinking to himself, well, I'm single. I bet she's single. Like, this is my lucky day! And as he's walking down the aisle, he feels that nudge, that prompting, that inner knowing. See the guy on the other side, the, the smelly-looking guy? The guy looks like he hasn't had a shower in three days. Yep, sit next to him. And in that moment... The response is classically, but God, the girl. And God's like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, but the guy. And when they take the seat next to the smelly guy, leaning not on their own understanding, and they sit next to this guy and they look at him going, oh, man, what am I doing here? This sounds crazy. And then they say out loud, this is going to sound strange. Don't think I'm weird or anything, but, you know, I was boarding the train and I really felt God prompt me to take a seat next to you. And I got to say, mate, you don't look all that all right. Are you doing okay? And the guy bursts into tears and says, I was sitting here contemplating, taking my life, and I prayed one final prayer. God, if you are really real, send somebody right now and let me know that it is so, and you took a seat. I know about you, but that's not just 20 seconds of courage in order for you to have a breakthrough. That's 20 seconds of courage in order to save somebody else's life. There are countless stories. I had a guy on the Gold Coast who was walking over a bridge one day, and halfway over the bridge, he felt, take off your prescription glasses, Ray-Bans, and throw them into the water. But God, like, they're like $400 glasses. Like, they're really, like, expensive. Yeah? Well, what do you do in that moment? You've got a choice. You've got 20 seconds to decide, do I lean on my understanding or do I lean on God's instruction? For in that moment, he had no idea that God was about to heal his sight. If you don't take action within 20 seconds, well, then by the time you've crossed over the other side of the bridge, it's too late. It's like the guy. If you don't take action while boarding the train, well, then somebody else is going to board behind you and take a seat. You've got to take action quickly. But as we're running out of time, let me just tell you one more. My all-time favorite is the story of the guy who's sitting at the airport who hears the announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, please have your passports and boarding cards ready as we board flight whichever one it was to wherever it was going. And in that moment, feels the prompting. Yeah, take the next flight. But I've paid so much money. And I don't even know when the next flight is, and I don't want to be late. And we've got all of the justifications and excuses in the world. But when you obey and discover that that flight never made it to its destination and your life was spared, we've got something to be thankful for. It can take place at any moment of night or day. In fact, you can even be walking down the street past a cafe. And in the cafe window, there's a gorgeous-looking girl. And you think to yourself, 20 seconds of insane courage, because if I don't swing, I'll never hit. Why would an amazing God even be mindful of a wretch like me? And God's response? Why not? Why don't we stand to our feet as we close this service in prayer You know, I don't know what your 20 seconds is. Maybe your 20 seconds today is to go up and introduce yourself to that person. Or maybe your 20 seconds is already 
been exercised. Uh, maybe you got invited to come to church and you said, okay, what have I got to lose? And then you were faced with another 20 seconds as the morning actually came. You're like, ah, like, do I really want to go? Like I said, yes. And oh, okay. All right. And you jumped in the car and you came and maybe your final 20 seconds today is to simply respond to this message to say yes to an invitation that's being extended to you. So why don't we pray? God, I thank you that you haven't called us just to live an ordinary life, but God, indeed, an extraordinary life. God, I don't know of anyone who just wants to have a a boring job or a mundane marriage or an average life. God, we want to live it with exception. God, I thank you that it is for freedom's sake, that you sent Jesus to set us free. Free from the consequences of our own mistakes, that you extend to us a gift, an invitation to be in relationship with you. Not to be in religion, but to simply be in relationship with you. And that there's nothing that we can do to earn or deserve this gift. You say, just come as you are. But God, as we accept this gift, we submit to you as our coach, as our captain, as our mentor, as you prepare us for the big stage of life, as you give us the instruction to live with abundance. And so, God, I just pray right now for each and every one of us, if there are people in the audience today who know that they are far from you, whether it be that they've never intentionally said yes to your invitation to be in relationship with you or or maybe they have at one stage in their life but now God they know their life is not right with you I pray God that right now you would give us 20 seconds of insane courage to do what we know that we need to do